You are listening to the You Are a Lawyer podcast. I'm Kyla Donano, a 2015 law school graduate. This episode is brought to you by me. <laughs> Seriously, I'm selling merchandise at shopyouarealawyer.com. That's where you can find coffee mugs, sweatshirts, long sleeve and short sleeve t-shirts where you can advertise that you are a lawyer or you can simply support the podcast by purchasing some merch. So support your favorite lawyer's favorite podcaster and visit shopyouarealawyer.com to support the You Are a Lawyer podcast. In episode 50, I am speaking with a data privacy expert and in-house lawyer. This guest attended two different law schools while working full-time. Based in Atlanta, Georgia, today's guest is Terrence Pryor. So welcome to the podcast, Terrence. Uh, Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Yeah. So I know a little bit about you. You know, I've been reading your LinkedIn page. You filled out the pre-recording questionnaire, those kind of things. But would Mm -hmm. you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, Terrence Pryor from uh, Chicago, Illinois, originally. I've been in Atlanta, though, now for approximately, I would say, nine to 10 years. I did my undergraduate studies at the University of Iowa. How I got to Atlanta is that I ended up going to get my master's at Clark Atlanta University, which brought me to Atlanta from Iowa. I know a lot of people say, well, how did you get to Atlanta from Iowa? That's it. (laughs) And uh, then I went on to Georgia State to uh, study law once I finished my master's. So that's a little bit behind me. I'm a former Division I college football player at the University of Iowa. I also played at Clark Atlanta University. Got beat up a little bit and decided that (laughs) law is the path to go. Okay. So you just answered a lot of questions I had because (laughs) I I was like, where did he, where did Iowa come from? Right. That was my big question. So it was because of football. Yeah. Yeah. So I typically ask people like, you want the long or the short? So (laughs) I mean, a long story. All right, bet you know, the long stories. So yeah, so from Chicago originally, like I said, and you know, football was pretty big to me um, in high school. You know, my school wasn't the greatest, and you know, I wasn't the biggest, but I always did. You know, see myself playing Division One college football. You know, even even when the odds were stacked against me. You know, I, I remember one time in particular, my uh, high school football coach looked me in my eye, and a great man, and I still respect him to this day and respected him then. But he looked me in my eye and just told me, he said, "Man, you know, you'll you'll never play Division One college football." And you know, mm-hmm. it was logical for him to say that. Okay. Um, but uh, what happened was and how I got to Iowa was that while I was good at football, I was also pretty good in, in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting a uh, full ride scholarship to the University of Iowa. And uh, at the time that I was looking for schools, Iowa, because I had depended on my football coach to get me like in front of big schools to play football, which ended up not happening like we just established. Iowa was the last school that was still taking applications. So they were one of the few schools that took late applications. And Iowa took mine and was able to give me a full ride scholarship. And that's how I ended up at Iowa. Yeah. So I went to Ohio State undergrad. So yay, Big Ten. Oh, no. (laughs) Yes. Yay, Big Ten, but you're the enemy. Yes. Yeah, I'm the enemy. But it's funny, though, because I ended up going to law school because I was always advocating for other people. I didn't know I was advocating. Right. I just Mm. used to, like, take up for people who were being bullied. I always cheered for the underdog, except for Ohio State, because I was always like, yeah, go us. (laughs) Absolutely. When you were in school, when you were at Iowa, you actually studied anthropology and Japanese. So when I was younger, I was a real big, and still am a real big Japanese anime fan. I I used to really, yeah, I used to really like, you know, Japanese cartoons and the Japanese culture. So one of the cartoons that I I used to like a lot uh, called Mm Yu-Gi-Oh! And Yu-Gi-Oh! was based off of a character who was an archaeologist. 
So, you know, I was so infatuated with the, with the anime. I was like, you know, that's what I'm going to study. I'm going to be an archaeologist. I'm going to be an archaeologist. Um, hmm. So, yeah, right. So, so fast forward going to, to college, right? I was kind of gung ho and it's like, this is what I want to do. And I took my first archaeology class. In college, archaeology falls under social anthropology. Okay. Half. Mm-hmm. But I, I took my first archaeology class and was like bored to death. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, this, this isn't it. I thought this is what I wanted to do. Uh, and it wasn't. So um, I, I started taking other courses under that social anthropology. Uh, and it kind of led me to that first bucket that I told you about, like anthropology and the social uh, realm. Yeah. And, and I loved it. Um, and then in college, you had to take a foreign language. And again, like I said, I was so inept with the, the Japanese culture. I was like, well, why not study Japanese? You know, I had studied Spanish for two years in high school and I couldn't tell you how to say anything. Mm-hmm. So. So I said, let's do Japanese. And that, that's how Japanese became my mind. Okay. I love that. Have you traveled to Japan or been over there at all? Yeah, I have actually. So ironically, through the anthropology program at Iowa, there were a lot of classes that from Japanese and anthropology that really mixed and blended together. And, and through those classes, I've met two professors. One was Sonia Rice. And this is so strange because this is how I could tell that law was always in my path. Now that mm-hmm. I'm looking back in hindsight, she would tell me all the time, you know, I, I did good on her exams. And she said, you know, these exams are set up like the law school exams. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's, there's not one right answer. You know, there's the best answer. And she said, you know, I'm very surprised that you're able to do good on those because a lot of students can't, you know, and especially she said coming from, you know, public schools. And there was no offense. She just said coming from public schools, the learning curves is a little bit. Yeah. you know, higher. So she said, but you know, it was really good. So I made a great connection with her throughout my years there. I met another connection with the professor. He was an adjunct at the time. His name was Levy McLaughlin. And he was really huge into the Japanese space. What he did was every time he came to a school, he would work with the anthropology department and sponsor a trip to Japan. You now me and him had built a rapport and he kind of said, well, hey, you know, I want to offer to take you to Japan and all expenses paid, you know, through the school for two weeks. You'll stay with a host family and, you know, we'll visit a lot of different sites and it helped me with my research. And that's uh, awesome. me, yeah, it was it was a great, great experience. And, and that's how I uh, went to Japan, stayed there for, for two weeks with a host family, learned <laughs> a lot about the culture and it, it was awesome. Look, I'm sitting here like, I'm going to send this interview to the University of Iowa because they are not broadcasting <laughs> this wide enough. This is like oh, yeah. a lot of disparate interests all in one person. It's pretty cool. Yeah, man. I, and I, I appreciate that. So yeah. you went on to get your master's in criminal justice. What were you thinking you wanted to do with that degree? I took a college visit to Clark Atlanta actually one time when I was in high school. And um, I had met with the football coaches there. And, and I remember talking to them and they were like, yeah, you know, we're D2, right? And I told them, oh, man, I'll never come here. I'll never play at Clark Atlanta. It's Division two, you know, like I said, I was so yeah. into myself. I'm like, man, I'm going to play D1 football. Even though I was from Chicago, I'm a real big hip-hop fan. I'm a big hip-hop fan and, and uh, you know, R&B, hip-hop. Yeah. Uh, favorite rapper was from Atlanta. It was T.I. Okay. And my favorite R&B singer was from Atlanta. It was Usher. So I always had this affinity for Atlanta. Now, I had never imagined, you know, moving to Atlanta or anything mm-hmm. like that. Atlanta was always just a, a part of my life, you know, kind of in the background. When I graduated from the University of Iowa, I still had a year left to play football. So I called a number of schools somehow, some way. I ended up at Clark Atlanta University. I had that year left. And then from D1 to D2, you know, your eligibility to play sports can be split up into just your full-time semesters. So yeah. I decided to say, you know, I'll, I'll get my master at Clark Atlanta. And I chose criminal justice just because I was like, you know, I'm, I want to play football. This will probably be easier. 
Okay. So daydream with me, right? Mm-hmm. You're at Clark Atlanta. If the Falcons called you and you started playing there or maybe for the Bears, would you have even thought about law school or were you like yeah. all 100% into football right then? Yeah, no, I, I had no plans to be a lawyer at all okay. <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah, okay. so so had the, you know, the Bears called me or the, or the Falcons called me. That's what my plan was. My plan was to make it to the league and, and you know, be successful and, and then start advocating from that platform. Wow. So, yeah, that, that was it. That was my plan. So law school was not in the picture at all. You've done a lot in 32 years <laughs> <laughs> because we haven't even talked about what I think was like the juicy part, which is the fact that you work at General Motors as in-house counsel. So General Motors, yes, everyone, like the car manufacturer, huge deal. <laughs> I didn't even know that they had locations or plants in Atlanta. Are you remote or is there an office there or what? So, yeah. So, like I said, I did not plan on going to law school, but, but at that time I was a criminal justice major. That's how I was introduced to the theory of law. Uh, mm-hmm. And I would have the professor all the time, man, you know, you guys should go to law school. Never took it serious. So, um, ended football career. I ended up having a surgery and that was kind of like, that was it for football. And I was like, you know, I need to figure out what I'm going to do. I mean, that same professor was kind of like, hey, you know, I'm going to this event and, you know, I think you should come. So I went to the event with him and I met a lawyer there. His name was Moali Davis. And uh, mm-hmm. he, he was from Chicago, Illinois. He had kind of changed my perspective. Yeah. After that, I was kind of like, you know, well, hey, you know, I, I might take the LSAT, but we'll see what this goes. And yeah. The LSAT was like three weeks away. So I, I, I kind of like studied for the LSAT <laughs> for like three weeks and okay. did my thing. I took it. And while I was waiting for the results, I needed a job. And uh, General Motors was there. General Motors was at the career fair at Clark Atlanta. Okay. And, and they were there recruiting for IT. And um, I had no IT background, but I had made a connection in school who was like, man, hey, you know, you got a master's. You're like, you got a, a good GPA. You know, I think I could get you a job. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were going to train us. So to answer your question, GM had a IT department in Atlanta. Okay. And, um, okay. It, well, Roswell, Georgia. And, yeah. And that's where I ended up getting hired onto. And that's how I got to General uh-huh. Motors. And IT was able to transition from IT to legal, uh, which yeah. is you know, a story in itself. So that's how I'm in Atlanta. Okay. I mean, it sounds like, Okay, I'm going to just say it. It sounds like you were always in the right place at the right time, but I don't mean that to say that you weren't prepared either, Mm -hmm. right? It Mm -hmm. just sounds like, I mean, you're also telling the story in hindsight, so maybe you're making it sound easier than it was, but it sounds like (laughs) uh, all these doors just kept opening for you. Yeah, yeah, you know, very spiritual as well. I'm Christian and connected, you know, to the the spirit. Mm -hmm. And this is where I look and say, it couldn't have been me. Okay. Right? It, this is where, like you said, all of these different doors and all of these different areas, they all kind of align. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is no way I knew to do that. So okay. uh, for it all to happen like that, you know, it was bigger than me. Right. It definitely wasn't easy, but I never felt like I was out. Right. I yeah. never felt like, man, you know, this is this is it. You know, I'm, I'm done. I never felt like I had hit a ceiling. Um, I just always felt like I got to figure out how to make it happen. I think that perspective is really cool because everyone is 2022 when we're recording this. And so Tom Brady retired (laughs) last year, Uh, maybe earlier this year, and then came back. And even when he retired, I'm looking like, what do you do after playing football? Right. mm -hmm. So to me, the fact that you weren't down and out from years, like, man, wow, my plan has changed. Okay. What now? Right. Mm -hmm. I think it's really inspiring that you were like, okay, well, let me just go get a job. It sounds like you're, um, you're really proactive in life. 
So. Yeah. So, so one thing, uh, two things. The first is Tom Brady's my boy. Like I, I, I rock with Tom <laughs> okay. Brady. So that, that's, that's my guy. But I do want to say that that period of, you know, I'm done playing football to let me go get a job. That really was a tough period. Okay. That, that was, yeah, that was a really, really tough period in my life because, um, you know, as, as young African-American men, a lot of times we build our identities in the sport that we play. Mm-hmm. Right. And I wasn't an exception to that. I had really built an identity and kind of, you know, laid out this vision for what I thought my life was going to be based off of that sport. Mm -hmm. Right. So I had went through some, you know, physical trauma a little bit throughout my my career playing uh, football in college. For athletes that may be listening to this, I think it's really, really important for uh, them to understand my thought process in that. So so my how, how I was able you know, again, by the grace of God to transfer out of that. First, I had to tell myself that my ultimate goal uh, was not football. Your ultimate goal was to advocate and to help change lives. And that helped me realize that football was just a vehicle to do that. Mm -hmm. Right. And just like any car that you have, right. You know, it could be your favorite car, but eventually it's going to run out. And no matter where you go, you could be Terrence Pryor, who just played for, you know, Iowa and Clark Atlanta, or you could be Tom Brady, who's you know, one seven Super Bowls. Eventually, it's going to run out no matter what. That vehicle mm-hmm. is going to be done, and you have to find another vehicle, you know, to get to that goal. If that's what, if you haven't reached there yet, so yeah. that that helped me in the first sense. And then in the second sense, I told myself, I said, you know, I don't want to to look back at myself and say my whole life has revolved around this sport, right? I don't want to play the sport, leave the sport, then go and, you know, be a coach. And, you know, nothing against people that do that. I think that's a great path if that's what you like. But I wanted to explore a different aspect of myself other than the sport. And and that kind of helped me deal with that. Okay, you know, football's done now. Let's see how we could, you know, expand ourselves further into other aspects and and maybe keep the sport around, right? Because I love the game. It It was a part of my life. But let's see how else I can expand. And that's what helped me. Yeah. And Tom Brady is one of my favorite examples to use because he also went to a Big Ten school. He went to Michigan. So, yeah, yeah, I know I'm all about Big Ten. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you actually started working as a data privacy intern with Coca-Cola. So was this at the same time or this was before General Motors? Yeah. So it's the same time. I can give you the story around that, too. Yeah. So what happened was I applied for law school. Yeah. You took the LSAT (laughs) three weeks out. The LSAT is the law school admissions test. It's logic games, you know, like Terrence is driving to Chicago from Atlanta. He only has 500 gallons of gas. How far can he get? <laughs> Those kind of things. Right. Uh, most people prepare and take courses and do all this stuff. But he applied and three weeks out, he went and took it. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I do not recommend that path at all. In those three weeks, I was studying from like yeah. 12 p.m. to 12 a.m. Yeah. every day. So, you know, I, I did put the work in, but I do not recommend that. So, yeah, I had took the LSAT, though, and I was waiting. And at that time, I had got a General Motors and I got my score back. And the school that I wanted to go to, which is Georgia State's College of Law, I ended up not getting in. And uh, with that LSAT score, I had waited for applications to open up again. And at that time, I said, well, you know what? I need to go part time because I'm working full time. Mm-hmm. And the only other school in Atlanta that was doing that was Atlanta's John Marshall. A okay. law school, and, which I was extremely grateful for, because when I applied to them, they they let me in. They yeah. I got into to John Marshall's law school, and I was able to go part time. 
But yeah, it was the grind. So I'm at General Motors and Roswell, and I eventually say, well, you know what? I want to go to Georgia State's College Law School. So I made sure that I did good at John Marshall, and I eventually applied to transfer mm. uh, to go to Georgia State's College of Law, and I got in. I applied to transfer after about a year, year and a half, and got in the Georgia State's College of Law and through Georgia State's College of Law program. So this is kind of like year three. So this is year three of me working full-time, uh, yeah. going part-time, transferred to Georgia State. Um, and they had a program called, it was, it was a legal analytics program that they were just starting up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was going to consist of data privacy, legal analytics itself, and other technology classes that mixed with law. That was very new at that time. No one really yeah. kind of, yeah, you know, the big thing, the most technical people had got was kind of like IP at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so people were kind of like, you know, data privacy, cyber law, what's that? But, you know, me working in IT and going to law school at the same time, I was able to see it. So once I got into Georgia State, they had a intern program, intern slash extern program with uh, the Coca-Cola company. And I applied for that and I got accepted in. And that was the first time that I had got introduced deeply into data privacy work. So I was working with the attorneys at uh, Coca-Cola. They really helped me understand the ins and outs of data privacy. And that's kind of where, like I said, I got introduced to it. Coca-Cola having a data privacy group? Like I would never put those two together, right? Like you're a soft drink company. I don't understand. Well, I guess being naive, I'm like, okay, like the customer records of like distributors, but what else is like, (laughs) so that part I thought was really, really cool. Yeah. So that's how I did that. And then uh, at the same time, I was trying to reach out and talk to attorneys at General Motors Kind of explained to them like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm in law school and, you know, this is kind of what I want to do. I kind of want to transition to law when I leave IT. And, you know, just as well as I do, Kyla, and those who are new attorneys, right? Going in-house fresh out of law school is kind of like, you know. Unheard of. Yeah, it's unheard of, right? So <laughs> especially for a company like General Motors or, or yeah. Coke, right? Like, you yeah. know, they're, they're kind of like, no, nah, it's, it's not going to happen. So everyone listening, in-house positions are just when you're working for a corporation or a company in their legal department. And the reason why that's so hard to get out of school is because, as you've been hearing, when you go to law school, you're studying everything. You study like a little bit of every possible topic until you get to become a 203L typically, and you can grab those electives and find out what you really are interested in, which Terrence was talking about he was doing with his privacy courses and other stuff. But typically those first few jobs, at least the first two, maybe the first one, if it's a really good job, is what teaches you how to practice, Mm -hmm. teaches you what to do. So for, this is why all these companies were so hesitant to hire him straight out of school. Cause it's like, yeah, but you have the book knowledge and none of the practical experience. Um, so one of the attorneys that I spoke to, a wonderful woman, uh, her name is Kim Crouch. And she was the very first GM attorney I talked to. And I said, hey, Kim, you know, I'm in law school, I'm interested in transition. And she looked me straight in my eyes. No, it's not going to happen. Wow. Like, you're not, you're not going to transition. And she was rightfully so like, it just didn't happen. Right. Like you're not going to transition from it to legal fresh out of law school. It just doesn't work like that. So that's kind of was my introduction to legal at GM. Um, And from there, I just kind of had to try to work my path to it. And and I could dive deeper into how I got there if you want, but. um, Yeah. Let's see if some of these questions pull it out. Yeah. First, (laughs) um, for everyone listening, So law school, typically, you know, if you go full-time during the day, it's three years. You were doing five years and you transferred. You're definitely the first person I've spoken to who's transferred to a law school because that's not very easy to do. And it's not something Mm -hmm. that people do often. Um, Would you give a little bit more detail about why 
you decided to do that versus just staying at John Marshall and just finishing your law degree there? If you can't tell, like I have this thing, you know, it, it's almost a gift and a curse, right? Like it's kind of like when I have my mind set on something, I kind of almost try to will it into fruition. I try to yeah. make it happen, right? So, um, you know, I, like I said, I originally wanted to go to Georgia State's uh, College of Law. And the main reason was because of the money, right? Okay. Georgia State was a a state public funded school and their tuition was a lot cheaper than John Marshall's. John Marshall was a private school. Oh, um, so, yeah. yeah so I remember so, you said you were waitlisted at Georgia State, but I hadn't even considered John Marshall being more expensive. Tuition when I was there at Georgia State was like maybe six K a semester and John Marshall's was kind of like 11 a semester. So okay, like, you know, yeah. I, was, I was paying almost four years tuition in one semester at John yeah. Marshall. But, but John Marshall gave me a scholarship that, that helped me out a lot with that. John Marshall was a great school, but just in general, I, I just, I wanted to be at Georgia State. Okay. So when the opportunity arose to transfer to Georgia State from my original application, I had kind of built a rapport with the director of admissions. Her name was Cheryl Justin George. And she was actually, I didn't know it when I was there, but she was an adjunct professor at Clark Atlanta University too. Mm. Um, and this, I tell you, like all of the stuff was lining up now. I think about it, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she was there, I met with her and she was kind of like, you know, you go work hard. And if the cards fall, what you come in here, then the cards fall. So that's what I I did. And when I transferred, I was kind of like, you know, Georgia State has a little bit more opportunity because they were in the heart of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, their alumni connection was a little bit stronger. So that kind of played that role in why I wanted to transfer. Okay. I love that. So you set your intentions on Georgia State and then because you were waitlisted, you looked elsewhere, but you always knew you wanted to finish there. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I get that because I'm from Columbus. And so when I went to Ohio State, people are like, it's in your backyard. Why? I'm like, it's Ohio State. It's the biggest right. school. But I was like, I have to. Like, it's it's right mm-hmm. here. How could I not? Right? Yeah, it's so much type around it, too. It's kind of yeah. like, you know. So law school, you know, you take your regular crim law towards mm-hmm. all of it. And then you can take electives. Were you taking electives in privacy law and data management? or? Yeah, I came into IT because of the job fair. I had no background in IT. Okay. Now, when I got to law school, um, I had already been working in IT at General Motors now for approximately about eight months or so. And when I started at law school, I began to see through electives and things of that nature, like, oh, wow, there's a place where these two merge. So I started okay. taking electives like data privacy, I mean, cyber privacy law and uh, legal analytics. And things like right. Because you're still in school. Yes. Right. Now that makes sense. Okay. 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 Wow. Yeah. I'm like writing your biography over here. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good. Send it to me when you get a chance. I don't, you know, right. I don't know. <laughs> because I'm trying. I mean, you got to see like from the from the seat of the host. I'm I'm listening and I'm putting it in order. But I'm also like, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this. Um, yeah, absolutely. When did you graduate from law school? Uh, so I graduated from law school in 2020. I got wow. I was I was one of the students that was in class one week and the next week we were remote for the rest wow. of the semester until I graduated. Okay. Yep. Man, how good did that feel that you were in your last semester? Man, I'm not even gonna lie to you. It was good. It was great. And then yeah. the pandemic kind of like took everything from me. <laughs> you yeah, know, you didn't get to walk I, in person, I'm sure. Yep, didn't get to walk in person. The the bar exam was like postponed like mm-hmm. you know, three or four times. Uh, oh yeah like around my 30th birthday at that time so it was like I'm about to you know go into my 30s had that whole like you know my life's about to change ordeal and then it was like and literally <laughs> right your life completely exactly. changed exactly 
the bar exam gets postponed and you're still working with General Motors at that time or what was going on? Yep. Yep. So I'm still working at General Motors at this time and building that rapport. So like I said, I met a, a number of attorneys at GM and they were kind of like, you know, no, it's not going to happen. You know, go to a firm, then you could possibly work and things of that nature. But I had met one attorney. It was the Associate General Counsel. And it was so strange how I had met her because there was somebody from the legal department that had left and came to IT. Mm-hmm. And I had just talked to my CIO in IT at the time. I said, hey, man, you know, I'm going to law school. You know, I want to see what legal opportunities might be there at General Motors. And like we were saying, I wasn't necessarily looking to practice law because at that time I had heard you're not going to do it so many times. Yeah. And I was kind of like, OK, well, what's another path to, you know, be involved with law, but stay in IT at the same time? So I had, they had put me in front of the associate general counsel. Her name was Suzanne Miklos. And she spoke to me and kind of gave me the same spiel. I said, hey, you know, we don't really hire fresh out of law school, but she she gave me one opening. She said, but when you pass the bar, you know, come talk to me. Okay. And Suzanne ended up being a, a and still is to this day, a wonderful person and just a wonderful mentor for me. Mm-hmm. And I would meet her and talk with her about the bar, doing bar prep, uh, things of that nature. And uh, I took the bar during COVID, took some of my vacation time to study for the bar and, you mm-hmm. know, I'm studying at night and things of that nature. And then, you know, I eventually took it. And passed the uh, bar while working. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was a feat, but uh, I did it. Wow, that's awesome. You're not scared of hard work. (laughs) We've been hearing (laughs) it this whole time. So I have two more questions here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You currently are working in data and privacy operations Mm -hmm. um, at General Motors in Georgia. But what Mm -hmm. does data and privacy operations mean? Like, what is a typical day like, or what are the the topics that you deal with every day? Yeah, absolutely. So for a company like General Motors, right, we are constantly innovating. We're constantly Mm -hmm. looking for ways to make ourselves better, right? So with all of that innovation that comes in this industry, there's a lot of data that is, you know, just out there. And Mm -hmm. and, and what what we're doing at General Motors and what I do in my everyday job is that, you know, while we are collecting this data that we're getting consent for and things of that nature, we just want to make sure that we are doing it according to the laws that are applicable. So one of the big laws that people always hear about is the uh, GDPR, which is the European Privacy Law. Mm-hmm. Um, and then California passed one called the CCPA, in which they're coming to have another one called the CPRA. So all of these laws are the guidelines for how we need to operate and how everyone needs to operate when dealing with uh, consumer data. And my job on a day-to-day is to, one, be abreast of those laws, understand what they are, know the in and outs of them, um, and then understand what our practices are at General Motors and make the two work together. Okay. And General Motors is great at it, and um, I'm glad that I'm with the company doing it. Yeah. So. Yeah. The lady who said, but after you pass the bar, come back and talk to me. So I'm assuming you mm-hmm. went and told her, hey, I'm barred. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Remember exactly. we had that talk? Absolutely. Me and Suzanne had kind of built this rapport and um, she was like, after you pass the bar, come talk to me. It wasn't easy, right? It wasn't just like, oh, I know Suzanne, I'm going to you know, get this job. It yeah. was kind of like I had to do a full oral argument as to why hey, I'm wow. you know, good for the job. Yeah. That's how I prepared for it. Okay. Uh, so, so when I went to her, I kind of just laid out the top four reasons why I felt like, you know, I would be good for the position. And um, at that point in time, it was divine interventions that kind of made things align the way that they did. That's pretty cool. Sounds like a very intense interview process. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually not intense. It was very different from all of my other experiences with legal. 
right? Yeah. That's why I love the company, right? Yeah. All my other experiences with legal were really like, oh, you got to make sure you stand up straight and wear the tie. And, you know, mm-hmm. they, they were really, really like, hey, we just want you to be you and explain to us who you are. And from that, you know, they liked me and that's how it worked. So it wasn't yeah. that hard, but it was fun. Okay. I still think that's pretty cool that you weren't like, hey, I've already been working here for all these years. Give me a job. They're like, yeah, but still, this is a different job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) How can you do this job? Yeah. Okay. So Terrence, in wrapping up, Mm -hmm. is there anything that you would tell to the audience about your career path or what they could possibly do with their law degrees? Yeah, first and foremost, right? I think that your career path is not predefined. You know, I tell people all the time, like, you know, everybody told me what I couldn't do, but I told them what God could, right? Like, don't let anyone or anything for that matter, limit your aspirations for what you want your career to be. The number one thing that I've had from my managers in my career is that you control your career. That's just true, right? You control your career. You can make things happen. And even if it doesn't work the way that you thought, like if you got to go to one school and then transfer to another school, or if you got to walk on to the football team, or, yeah. you know, or, or you got to, you know, do an oral argument to switch over from, you know, IT <laughs> to legal, right? Whatever it is that you have to do, if that's what you want to do, you keep doing it until you decide that this isn't what I want to do anymore. And you'll yeah. be amazed where your career goes. So you own that. And two, one thing, that I always tell people is that never forget that your career doesn't have to be your passion for it to be your passion is a blessing, but it can be what fuels your passion. I think that's a misnomer that we have, right? I think yeah. people, like we go to school and they're like, Oh, you know, I'm gonna go do what I'm passionate about. And either you get there and realize like, man, I'm, you know, I'm not as passionate about this as I thought I was, or mm-hmm. as I am about something else, or, you know, you don't get there, you know, then you're crushed and you're just like, oh man, like, you know, I didn't become the, you know, CEO, right? You know, so, you know, I'm crushed. So, you know, to tell people, like, man, look, your passion doesn't have to be your career. Like your career is there to fuel your passion. Now, some people get blessed. Like they get blessed to work and do what they love every single day. But, you know, there are other ways to do that, right? If I have this stuff, fuel that passion. And I think that if you don't lose sight of that, you will always remain true to yourself, And you will always take your true self into everything that you do, whether that's your career or whatever else you may choose to be. Yeah. Your career doesn't have to be your passion. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you are enjoying what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I love doing what I'm what I'm doing. I love being a lawyer. And the funny thing is, all throughout law school, I was kind of like, man, I do not know if this is it for me. Right. Because, you know, I'm, (laughs) I'm a real like, you know, outgoing, spoken, I laugh and I joke, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we, we all know those in the legal profession, is, it's kind of stuck up, right? It's kind of like, you know. Law school uh, beats it out of us. Yeah, you know, it, it'll beat you down, right? So I was kind of like, man, this isn't for me. This isn't how I'm my best. Um, yeah. But I ended up at the right company. I ended up with the right people under the right team. And I'm able to be myself. And, and I really do truly enjoy being an attorney, but that's because I enjoy being myself. If you find a company that allows you to be that way or a job that allows you to be that way, you're going to always be uh, happy with what you're doing. Yeah. I'm going to end it off with this one thing. Um, This is just kind of to that point of of never giving up. So I don't know if everyone remember what I told them. The the very first attorney that I spoke to 
at General Motors. Her name was Kim Crouch, wonderful woman. She she was the one that's like, no, it's not gonna happen, right? Yeah, yeah it's not gonna happen. So, you know, the whole story happened where I, I became the attorney at GM, going to in-house straight out of law school. And the very first person to call me to offer me the job was Kim Crouch. Aww. And she called me and she said, hey, do you remember me? I said, yeah, I do. And she said, you know, I just want to tell you that I'm very proud of you. You took what everyone told you and you said, it's not going to be my path. And she said, I'm happy to tell you that you're going to be on my team. And I was just like, Aww. wow, that's, it was a full circle moment. And, and she's been a great mentor and manager for me to this point. But I just want to tell everybody that, you know, no doesn't have to be final. And I bet Absolutely. she like pitched for that. She's like, wait, can I tell him? Because <laughs> I'm sure there was somebody else. You know, it, it, it was it was actually kind of crazy because she was in IT when I reached out to her <laughs> and she had just got pushed to a leadership role in privacy, which was which was kind of uh, new for her. And yeah. this whole new team was forming all at once. So her story was happening and my story was happening and we wow. just happened to converge at the at the right time. Yeah, it was all God's timing. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's, that's what I tell people. Oh, that's very cool. Thank you so much, Terrence. This was a great conversation. No problem. Thank you. Enjoy your Sunday. You too. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to You Are a Lawyer. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a rating, tell a friend about this episode, and subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss a new episode. Episodes are released every other Thursday. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I'll see you in two weeks. This is You Are a Lawyer. Bye. <laughs>